Hi, and welcome back to our podcast. My name is Cindy. I'm Steve. And this is Barkley. So a lot of times you might hear Barkley in the background sneezing or snorting, or if you're watching on YouTube video, you might see him. We just thought we would let you say hi. So this is our little noisemaker, right? This is our little family. <laughs> and as Cindy said, I know if you are familiar with her YouTube channel, and if you've watched any of her videos on Facebook, uh, you've probably heard Barkley. Yeah. All right, well, we're going to put him down for now. He is resting oh, comfortably goodness. in between us. Yep, he's going to take a little nap while we get into this week's episode. What are we talking about today? So we're talking today about go-to tools, mm. and we've geared this towards the DIYer. And again, uh, our whole podcast is geared towards uh, the person that is just either refinishing or refurbishing or repairing something in their home. Mm. Uh, this is not geared towards like the um, craftsman style furniture maker. No, it's people like us. Yep, people like right? us. So just regular people that want to do projects. We don't want to spend a lot of money. We don't have want to have bukus of tools, and we want to have fun doing it, right? Yeah, and again, a lot of people have limited space and they have a limited budget, mm -hmm. and so you know they they're constantly questioning what do I quote-unquote need yeah and some people that might be listening to this or watching on YouTube they might just be hobbyists they might be also people that want to sell some of these items and you don't have to have a whole lot of supplies and tools in order to start doing either one of those as a hobby or selling those items and we thought it would be a good idea to just go over the some of the tools mostly the tools and supplies that we have found really helpful that we can't live without yeah, and again, we've kept budget in mind, so these are, are our go-to things um, to get because if you go on YouTube or you go online, um, you're going to find hundreds if not thousands of tools that they claim mm -hmm. to make your life easier, and I found through experience that I buy them and then I never use them, or I buy them and I find out they're too complicated to set up and or once you set them up, you have to take them apart and then it's six months, a year, two years before you use it again. And then you have to set it up and get it all ready to go. And, and so it's just really not something that is necessary. And by the way, we are going to have all of these tools listed down in the description. If you're watching on YouTube, it's in the show more section of the video, just below the video. We'll have all the links so that if there is a tool that you hear us talk about, you can just go down there to the link and grab it. And that can be something that you add to your your workshop. And also if you're listening to the audio version of this on your favorite podcast player, I'll have them linked in the show notes. I'm going to have a blog post about this and then I will list out all of those links over in the blog post. So you'll just tap on that link, head over to the blog post, blog post and you'll see all the links that we're gonna talk about the tools that we use the most in our workshops. Yeah, and it's important to know that um, um, Cindy and I both have separate workshops, mm -hmm. and so when she first started in the um, repair, it turned out that um, she would need a screwdriver or she would need a certain tool, and um, navigating my workshop is certainly difficult. I can do it, but probably no one else can. And so it just was frustrating because she would need a drill to do this uh, necessary thing to a project then she'd have to wait till i come home from work because she couldn't find the tool so she has uh, she works mostly out of our garage and then she has the uh, room in the house that mm -hmm. she does some work in right here yep right here yeah if you're watching on youtube you see 
right here where we are sitting is where I do a lot of the indoor kind of projects. Yeah, and then I have a workshop that out in the yard and it sits in our, our side yard. It's a little bit away from the house and that's where I go and do my thing. Mm-hmm. By the way, he's getting ready to get a new workshop, aren't you? We're in the process. So, yeah. Are you yeah. excited? I am excited. Yeah. It's, a, a, it's a monumental task getting there, like moving and um, getting things organized, getting rid of one shed so that we can get something different. But but we'll get there. Yeah. So. And we we might film a little bit of that, don't you yep. think? One yeah. day at a time. Yeah. So, we, so we might film a little bit of that. So stay tuned here on YouTube if you're watching, because I think that we plan on showing a little bit of fast videos of that building going up. I think that'd be so fun to watch. Yep. And yeah. um, some... Friends and relatives who have had one done said the process is very, very quick once it gets started. So mm -hmm. we're, we're in that process of, of uh, waiting right now. Awesome. Well, let's talk about some of the tools. Where do we want to go first? I'm looking at our notes, by the way. So I am, uh, we started out with you and I just listed some things that um, you thought might be your go-to or the most important things. And again, this is by uh, no means an all-inclusive list. You may have something here that you um, that you want or is that your go-to tool but if you're really thinking about hey I'd like to restore this thing or I would like to fix something up and I just don't have the tools what do I need this will hopefully help you some yeah so I would say in my workshop in my my area in our garage that I've kind of taken over I, I would say the number one tool that I have to have is a drill and that's really called a drill driver is that right Yes. Okay. It's basically a, a tool that you can use a drill bit or a screw bit. So you could either drill a hole or you could use uh, the drill bit to drill the, you know, to screw the screw in. I get the words kind of turned around because I don't know all the terminology. I know in my head what to do, but it, the words don't always come, come out. But one thing on the drill driver that I use, there's a little tool called a always get this wrong flip drive called a, called a flip bit okay and my husband's going to show you this we didn't bring in the whole drill but we did bring in this little this little piece so let's show this up close this is what it is if you're looking on youtube you can see it let's describe for the ones listening on audio let's describe what this piece is so this is, has the drill bit and this is going to make a pilot hole for your screw and then if you want your screw to recess nice and flat mm -hmm. you can see this will actually cut and this will a little divot in your surface you can use it on wood you can use it on vinyl um, probably not metal but the i've used it on metal Oops. Um, Oops. <laughs> I'm, I don't have the packaging, so I can't tell you whether that is probably non-ferrous metals. It's okay, but cast iron or steel or something, I don't think it would, would do a whole lot. Um, but this is going to create the pilot hole, and then it's also going to allow you to recess the screw so that it lays flat and the head doesn't stick out. And then you simply mount this end in the drill. Okay, so yeah. Tighten this into drill, mm -hmm. and then when you are ready to drive your screw in, you flip it around, you lock it down, and then now this has a Phillips head, and you can see right there, there's a little Allen screw, and if you unloosen that, you can either replace the, the screwdriver, or if you went to my shop, I have about five of these, oh. and I keep the different bits for the different screws. Oh, so, that's smart. Yeah, so that way, if I'm working with uh, a certain uh, type of a head, and when we say that, that's like I said, this is Phillips. They come in star head. They come in flat, you know, just a single slot. 
So I'm able to just, instead of having to take that Allen screw out each time and change the bit, I just changed the whole flip drive. They're fairly inexpensive. Mm -hmm. I want to say, I know they're less than mm -hmm. 20. I yeah, think they're I think around they're, $15. Yeah, they're like 10 or $15. I'm going to link one down below. In fact, I need to replace mine. Mine is used. It's, it's seven years old. And then he had it from his workshop. So this one is pretty old. Yeah. I probably need to replace it. It's getting a little bit stiff. But for those listening on audio, this is basically a little tool that measures, I don't know, three inches long. And on one end, you would put that in the drill. That's where you would, and you would tighten it down to hold it in the drill. The other end has a uh, two-ended piece that you take out and you flip around. One end of it is a drill bit the other end of it is a screw bit. So you can literally flip it around. The reason that I love this flip drive so much is it has basically saved us more than $100. Because if I were to buy two drills, have one set up with a drill bit, have one set up with the screw bit, I'd have to have two drills. And I don't wanna do that because it's not just the cost of the drill, it's also the cost of extra batteries that you have to have and then where to store the thing. And I just don't wanna have a bunch of stuff to store. So for a matter of 10 or $15, I can quickly switch that out and still have the convenience of a drill bit and a screw bit all in one that's very quick to change. I can change this with one hand. So my drill is my favorite tool, the most used tool, and then this Flip drive is probably the the best accessory for a drill I have ever used. Yeah, Do you agree? It, it's very handy. And Cindy brought up a good point that if you are thinking about tools, um, you want to think about corded tools, which plug into an electrical mm -hmm. outlet, um, and they're usable right then, or battery-operated tools. And if you're going to use the battery-operated tools, they're great. A couple things to consider is you are going to need some sources of electricity to charge the batteries. Another thing to think about is to do your research and try to stick with one brand of tool so that all the batteries interchange. Because what will happen is you'll have this brand and you'll have brand C and brand D and they all take a different battery. They're not compatible. And so now I need three chargers and that takes up space. And what I found, um, Early on, I had several different brands of tools, and every time I needed a specific tool, the battery was dead. Hmm. And so they sometimes take um, you know, six, eight hours to charge on a standard charger. So just something to think about if you're working out of a garage or a small room and you don't have a lot of electric uh, battery-operated tools may be the way to go. There's uh, hundreds, if not thousands of them out there, just about anything you're ever going to need you can find in a battery operated version yeah and for my drill it is battery powered and i have two batteries so one is always on the charger and that's a really convenient thing i always have a battery ready as soon as the one battery dies and with the amount of use that i have that i use it for it doesn't die a lot but when it when it dies I have another battery ready to go and I just switch out the batteries and then that second one is charging and it's ready for the next time when I have to switch it again. So one tool that I do not want to use that is battery powered, I, I don't like using a sander that is battery powered. Maybe I'm old school, but I feel like some of the electric, the, the kind that you plug in, are stronger. I don't they, know. Is they that, are Or stronger. more powerful. Maybe that's a better word. They are more powerful. They are stronger. And again, um, 
you know, you, you don't have to worry about the battery being charged or mm -hmm. discharging. And even today's um, latest generation batteries, lithium ion, they will, over a period of time, start to lose mm -hmm. their capacity, means that they don't stay charged as long. And so, oh, kind of like our phones and our computers yeah. and all that stuff, it happens like that. So eventually, by charging and recharging and discharging and recharging, what will happen is you'll put a fully charged battery in your tool, you'll use it for 10 minutes, and it'll be dead. Mm -hmm. so, so for a sander, I like to use the kind that you plug in that always has a constant source of power, and I like an orbital sander. I use that sander so much. And to go along with that sander, I also like to keep a supply of different grades of sandpaper that would go with that. And I range from 150s, I do have some 80s, which is a really coarse grit. I mostly use the 150 and then I have up to 220. For the kind of work that I do in my workshop, I don't need sandpaper that's going to make it like as smooth as a piece of glass. That's not the kind of work that I do. So 220 is fine. And then the 80 grid w grit will really take down a surface pretty quickly. If you're not careful, you can damage yeah, a piece of furniture. Do. So I kind of avoid that too. 150 for me seems to be a really good number. So I keep 150 and 220 for the most part. I think that's what I have out there. Yeah, if you get yeah. any finer than 220, um, you're really at the polishing stage. Mm -hmm. And so that if you were going to do a tabletop and you wanted a really, really smooth finish, you may want to go 320, maybe even four or 600. Um, I get to some of the higher grits when I do wood turning hmm. because uh, oftentimes I'm applying a finish and then I want to polish that finish to a, to a sheen. And But in most construction, doing um, cutting boards or tabletops, I'm usually around three or 220 as well. Two, okay, yeah, so that's good to know. Another thing that I use on a regular basis are clamps. I really do. I, I need some more clamps. You know that? Mm -hmm. I need more. Like You can never have too many. You can never have too many clamps and in the sizes. So the size clamps that I have, I have some, I'll probably get the measurements wrong. You'll have to correct me here, but I think I have some six inch clamps. Pretty sure I have 12 inch. I might have a couple that are 24. I have a couple that are 24 okay. that found their way to your workshop. Oh, okay. Somehow. So I, I borrowed them and maybe I just forgot to return them. But for some of the larger projects, I've needed a couple of those. And the larger ones are called bar clamps and they're heavy. So you have to be really careful with them. And the way that I store my bar clamps, because I don't want them falling over and grabbing my toe or something, that would really hurt. I always put the heaviest part at the bottom and then I lean them in a corner well away from my work area so I don't have to worry about accidentally bumping into them. The other clamps that I use are the kind that squeeze. You just use your hand and you can squeeze and that'll tighten the grip of whatever you're trying to hold. And I just have those clipped to a shelf out in my workshop. It works out very well the way that I've got them. They're always ready to use when I, when I need them. I have a total of, I don't know, 10. Yeah, probably. I probably 10. have 10 uh, clamps. And that is enough for the kind of projects that I work on, a lot of the upcycling, smaller projects that I work on. That's plenty, so you really don't need a lot. I'm going to link some of the clamps that I use, and I think I can find a variety pack that would include a couple of different sizes that you could just get the variety pack and use what you have. Figure out what size works best for 
the kind of projects that you work on and then maybe order a couple of more if you need to, you know, but now, now the next thing I wanted to go to the other, I have two more things that I use a lot and I'm checking my list. If you see me here on YouTube looking over because we're of a certain age, aren't we? Yes. We are. Yep. We don't, memories aren't what they used to be. It's a challenge. It's a challenge, but so we're going by some notes. Another thing that I use all the time is my tape measure. And I put my name on it because I, I won this tape measure at a blogging conference that I went to a couple of years ago. And I thought, now daggone it, I'm going to keep this tape measure here in my workspace. So I put my name on it and that is an indicator for you not to take it. Well, it is. <laughs> and oftentimes like when we are discussing um, a project or we're discussing a purchase, um, especially if it's furniture, we need to know the size mm -hmm. and Cindy's workshops closer than mine. So we'll run out in her workshop, grab a tape measure. And so to make sure it gets back, she writes her name in big, bold letters on it. And I would say that for my hand and for my age group, it's a small size. Do you know how, what the length on that tape measure is? I want to say it's 25 foot. It's 25 yeah. feet. It's not a heavy one. So some of these tape measures that you see, I know over in his workshop, some of his tape measures are, they're just heavy. And it's cumbersome for me to use. I have arthritic hands. So I like to go with the smaller size tape measure. And I'm going to link the one that I have. And then we can link one that you have if you'd prefer to have a larger one. Um, but I use that tape measure an awful lot. And it's very handy to have it around. So you need yourself a good tape measure. And one last tool that I seem to use a lot. It's called a, what is it called? A flush, a flush cut, cut saw. saw. So this is a hand saw with a really thin blade and it will flex. It has a little bit of flex so that if I go to cut something along, it's kind of hard to describe and I'll try to link a video where I've used this saw. I can't remember if I've got a video about that or not, or maybe so that's a project I need to make. This were a dowel rod and on our tabletop and I wanted to cut that even with this, that flush cut saw allows you to bend it and you can cut this fairly even mm -hmm. and then just sand it off um but it's a it's a flimsy blade so it, if you're listening on the audio version of this basically if you're going to make a repair that includes a dowel rod that would be used to join say um two pieces of wood together or hide a screw hide a screw head so if you screw something together and you countersink that screw you're gonna you're gonna you're going to be able to see that screw head and that's not optimal so what you can do is use that countersink on the flip drive that we just talked about sink that screw in and leave a, a depth that you can then fill in with a little chunk of dowel rod you put the dowel rod in there with some glue and then you can use that flush cut saw to cut off the excess. So try to imagine that in your mind as you're listening to this. You can cut off the excess with that and you'll never even know that there was a screw there. It's a, it's a great little tool to have and I've used it even just for small cuts if I have not felt like getting out. For instance, I have a chop saw in a miter saw in my workshop and I try not to get it out too much. I will link a video where I have used that chop saw, that miter saw several times, but if I don't feel like getting it out because I have just one cut, I've used that saw, this little saw that I'm referring to several times and maybe it's not the best option, but for me it's worked. Well, and um, on those, that idea, the, you know, it's not always possible to take your project over and use a cutoff saw or use a power saw, or you may not have one. Um, so that's the perfect little tool to make small cuts. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things you do want to think about though, is whether it's a push 
for a pull cut. Okay, can you tell us the difference yep. and describe what those saws are about? Because this is a little confusing to me too. So um, one of the newer things, I guess, in woodworking are Japanese pull saws. Mm -hmm. And so what they do is they cut on the pull stroke. So when you're pulling the straw back, the saw, I'm sorry, when you're pulling the saw back, it makes the cut. And then you push forward, you pull it back again, it makes a cut. Um, typically, American saws, probably like ones that your parents or grandparents used to, used to use, are on the push cut. So it requires mm -hmm. a little more upper body strength as you're pushing that saw through the, the workpiece and then it makes the cut, you pull it back and then you push down again. Um, and it just makes a difference as to how you're gonna use it. I like to use, I have both, but um, I actually like the pull cut. I think it's a little, for accuracy, I think it's a little easier to maintain your accuracy if you're trying to follow a line. And I'm going to link both of those saws down below that he just described. I'm gonna. I'm going to link the one that I said that I like that small saw, and then the one that you just described. What is it called? A push saw or a pull saw. Okay, I'm going to link those with a description so that you know which one. So if you're watching on YouTube, all you have to do is click the show more tab button area just below the video. They keep changing it on YouTube, so it's hard to keep track of what's going on, but it'll say show more. You tap that and it expands and then you're going, going to see all sorts of information that we're sharing, including the links to the tools that we're using. If you're listening on the audio version of this, I'm going to link to a blog post that you can pop over there and see all of the links in case you need some of these supplies and tools for your workshop. What's the next tool? Um, well, just to kind of go back, Cindy had talked about an orbital sander, and um, we're going to talk a little bit about the tools in my workshop. And these are like, again, our go-to work tools. So the orbital sander actually spins as it goes around and also vibrates back and forth. And it's a great sander. It's great for removing material, doing sanding. Um, one of the things, if you're going to do fine work, like a tabletop, and you don't want the little uh, scratch marks. Swirls. You, it yeah, makes like a swirl done. You want to be really careful. And it can be used. You just want to use a finer grit sandpaper. And so as we get into uh, my tools, I'll talk a little bit about difference between sanders. And Great. So I also have the drill. And when Cindy was talking about her drill, you need to... Um, consider the size because they come in different sizes and also different um, power. So I bought one year for Cindy for Christmas a drill. Some women want diamonds. Yep. I wanted a drill. And um, <laughs> it was an 18 volt and it was you know powerful and the first time she used it it would actually snap her wrist and mm. um, it, it can scare you but it can also hurt you because if you're not used to it so I traded her the one I had, which was a 12 volt, and it was fairly new, and it's smaller. So it's a little bit lighter. Uh, you refer to the, the term variable speed, it means it has a setting to drill. Um, and then there's also settings that if you wanna make sure your screw doesn't go through your project, or you don't make a deep hole, you can set that setting very low, and the screw will actually, the drill will actually stop when it reaches a certain pressure. So uh, variable speed drills are, great if you're doing project work it allows you to put uh, your uh, drill allows you into hardwood but it also allows mm -hmm. you to work with some softer material including leather or you know some some really uh, thin metals the i have the same thing i also have a driver and the driver is intended to insert screws into hardwoods 
or thick woods. And so I don't use it as often, and but it makes a lot of noise. And it is... Oh, it's loud. It's very loud. Oh, it's very loud. And again, it has a specific use if you're working with thick lumber or you're, you're working with um, long screws. You're trying to put in like a three-inch screw. This thing is the thing to have mm-hmm. because it, it um, will drive that screw in really, really easy. The, and so, again, my drill, same way with Cindy, I have the flip bits. Those are go-to. I keep them in my toolbox on a magnet. And so, and I have several because I use several different mm-hmm. types of screws. The, when I use a sander, because I've done some cutting boards and then I've also done some tabletops. So I like the orbital sander to get things flat. And then I will switch to a sheet sander. And so you'll hear these called quarter sheet and you'll hear them called half sheet. And these are flat. They have a flat bed on the bottom and they only orbit one way. And so as long as you stay with the grain of the wood, Hmm. um, it's going to give you a finer finish. And you heard me say earlier that um, I may on some of the finer things go up to like a 320, which is more of a polishing grit. Hmm. Um, And again, it depends on what I'm working on and how fine I want the surface. But you can go all the way up to like 3000 grit. And I think you can go beyond that. Wow. It's almost like if you think of a paper bag and trying to sand something down with a piece of paper bag, it's almost what some of these grits are like. Wow. But it's for fine work and it's they're usually intended to be used with a polishing compound of some sort um, to bring out a sheen. So experiment find one you like and again if you don't like the um finish just keep sanding switch to a finer grit and just keep going till you get the marks out and it it's a process but you'll figure it out so the sheet sander again that's more for fine work i use the orbital sander probably 90 percent of the time the um something else i like is a block plane and what a plane does is it makes wood flat so if is you, it like it's like shaving off? Yes. Yep. Okay. Now a lot of people don't like these because they'd rather sand it off, and that is fine. But if you have where two pieces of wood come together, if one is a little bit higher than the other, the block plane will allow you to, as Cindy said, very fine shavings just make them level or take off um, little imperfections. And so I have a number of planes, and there, if you look, there are literally hundreds of of a variety of planes. I have a few of them, but a block plane is something really, really important for me. Mm-hmm. Um, also consider that there's maintenance because they have to be sharpened frequently. Mm-hmm. So if you're not good at that, that may present a problem. But um, it, again, it's easy to learn, and it's one of those trial and error. You just may not want to invest the time. So that might not be the tool for you. The sander will do a similar thing as well. Um, I also use a pull saw. I have a couple um, for doing uh, some more intricate work. And a couple, if I just want to lop the end of a board off, then I'm not following a line. Then I've got some saws that do that as well. And for me, having a set of wood chisels, and you can buy these in sets of three, and there are a variety of brands. Some of them are very more, are much more expensive. Some of them are fairly inexpensive. So the rule of thumb is the more expensive the chisel, one, it's going to be flatter, and two, it's going to stay sharper longer. The cheaper, you're probably gonna have to do some work to keep it sharp. But these are great if you're trying to cut a corner or you're just trying to take out a small piece of wood. You know, if you're um, doing some intricate work, they come in handy. Again, something that needs some maintenance. But those are my go-to tools. And as we said earlier, um, we're we're trying to give you some ideas 
for the person that's on a budget that just wants to get a few things to get started, kind of either see if you like it or you just have a couple projects you want to do and you don't want to spend a fortune to get it done. Mm -hmm. um, but as your skill level increases, you know, start to think about what you might use. And I think um, I tend to be a hoarder. And so I, I would see a tool on uh, Instagram, especially during COVID. Yeah, you know, the because uh, that's all we did is is we stayed yes, online. But um, during did. COVID, I would see a tool and it would say, "Oh, it's going to make your life so much easier. You can do projects so much faster." And I bought some stuff, not a lot, but I did buy mm -hmm. some things. Um, after using them two or three times, I, I was really disappointed, or they didn't really make my life that much easier. So pay attention to what it is, and then also you know the time and the effort you want to put in because there's going to be a learning curve. And some of it's really complicated mm -hmm. and some of it's not, uh, I guess. And I'll leave you with, I'll leave Cindy with the last word. But my last word is don't buy brand new tools. Go to yard mm -hmm. sales, go to auctions. Um, a lot of times people get out of it. They started it as a hobby. They did it for a few years. They no longer do it. And their tools are for sale incredibly cheap. And they still work really, really well. Yeah, I think that's a really good tip. You don't have to spend a lot of money to get a little workshop started, especially like my little workshop. You don't need a lot of tools. We're going to list them down below so you can, we're gonna to link to all of them so that you can pick and choose what you need. If you need to purchase a new tool or if you don't have one and you wanna get the one that we're using, then we're going to link that down below. But we also encourage you to start looking, like he said, at yard sales and you know it's yard sale season right now so start looking at yard sales facebook marketplace there are a lot of people that just want to buy the new tool so they sell their old one for next to nothing and you can really pick up a lot of good tools that way as well i think and, you brought up a good point is if you do decide to buy something new so uh, you're going to go buy a brand new drill um dr that's like computers because next month a mm -hmm. different manufacturer is going to have a different drill that does something slightly different than what yours does. And um, it's easy to fall into the trap of, oh, my goodness, I need I need that. I need that new drill. My old one doesn't work. And the truth is need and want are, are very um, different things. And so you have to kind of consider the work you're doing. And is it really going to make your life easier? And my experience is it's probably not. Yeah, it's kind of not unlike a kitchen. For the women that are listening out there, you know yourself. There are probably some tools that supply, uh, machines, appliances that you bought that you thought you would use and use and use. Come to find out you're not really using it like bread machines. Okay, we all had a bread machine. We thought that was going to make life so much easier. And then we got rid of those bread machines because we weren't using them and we were just using some of the basics. So it's the same principle in a kitchen that you would use in your workshop. Just get what you need and that's it. And if you think you need something else, just really think it through before you buy it because you may not need it. You know, you, it, it's a good point that you brought out there. But um, I don't know. Do you have anything else you want to share about our tools? Well, kind of off the topic, but I do want to ask you, do they still make the bread mixes? You used to be able to get them in wow. the, in the um, grocery store when bread machines were I'm really... I'm afraid to look because then I might have to get a bread machine. <laughs> when they were super popular, and some of you may remember that there were dozens of different um, recipes you could get for the bread machine. So I, I've not seen them, but um, honestly, I don't go to the grocery store. If you often. know, then hey, shoot me an email and let me know or comment down below the YouTube video and let me know, do they still make these 
bread mixes like they did back in the day when the bread machines were so big. They were so popular, and now, now they're just not. Yes. I don't think they're a thing anymore. But so anyway, you asked uh, the you know last word about um, tools, and again, my experience: the uh, best is not always the greatest. Hmm. And the most expensive is not always the best. Yeah. So ask some people um, if you have some friends that, that are, you know, like tool users, uh, either ask them to show you how to use it or even if you could borrow it, let them know what you want to do. And, and uh, but seek out some advice before you start to spend money. Uh, again, I've fallen into this trap dozens of times where. I will buy a tool to do something and then it doesn't do it well. Mm -hmm. And I end up putting it in a drawer and never using it again. Mm -hmm. And I'll find a different way to do it. So, so yeah. really think it through before you put money into it. Mm -hmm. And we've, we're going to have these links down below for the ones that we use, the tools that we use the most that I, I feel like they're sure bets, the ones that we're going to be sharing down below. So check those out. And I think that's it for today. I think that's it for today. All right. Thanks again for listening. Thanks for watching. If you're on YouTube, go ahead. What do we want the people to do? Uh, we would like you to like this video. If you enjoyed what we had to say, um, like our video, subscribe to our channel. Um, if you didn't like it, just hold your nose, give us a five-star rating and like it anyway. <laughs> like it anyway. Thanks a lot. And we'll see you next time.